Make It Right, the manufacturing podcast. How do you take a new brand, launch it in a new country, to a brand new market, and then grow it from a great idea to a $700 million company with 8,000 employees, stores across the continent, and achieve best place to work status multiple times? Welcome to the Make It Right podcast. I'm Janet Eastman, and this week on the show, I continue my conversation with Graham Brown, Director of Product at Lush Cosmetics North America. Last week on the show, we talked about the evolution and growth of this handmade cosmetics company in North America. This week on the show, Graham shares some insights on some of the innovative ideas the company is working on as it approaches its 25th year, and we'll jump into the conversation looking at how he sees his role as a leader in this unique corporate structure. How do you see your role as a leader? What do you believe your main job? What value do you bring as one of the leaders in this organization? Or what do you hope the value is you bring? Well, I, I am not the same person as when I started 24 years ago. What I mean by that is obviously I've aged. You know, I'm not getting any younger, that's for sure. But I did start quite young. I personally think leadership is, it starts from within. You have to do a bunch of interior work as a leader and say, okay, oh, that was interesting. I was just activated by something somebody said in this meeting. Like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling angry or put off or misunderstood. You know, I, I've really worked hard to work on myself, do that interior work and say, okay, how am I showing up? Where am I, where am I out of alignment with my own values and where, what is the business trying to achieve? And I've always tried to line the two things up. Okay, I'm all in. So it's like I'm playing the long game here. I'm committed to Lush. And I want people to trust that I am trying to support the business but more importantly, I'm trying to support everyone's own individual journey just as much because I really believe that that's what that's what business is. It's an amazing um, playground to work on development. So I think it's like what's possible is what I get excited about. It's like, well, what's possible from a growth perspective for the business and for the individual? And how, how incredible is it when those two things are are in sync? And, and they're not always, you know, things are seasonal in terms of literal seasons, you know, as you go through the different seasons of the, of the year and the weather and all that. But it's also seasons in our own engagement, seasons in our own development. You have, to, you, have to, you have to really enjoy the process and know, know that um, when you do that and you really go for it and you try to live your life, which I believe work is, work is not separate from from personal life, I personally believe it's all, all just living. To really be have gratitude and work work hard on doing your best and and, and providing value to others, being kind and and what I mean by value is literally caring about what that person is dealing with right now in the context of their 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 experience. And um, so I'm I'm hoping that that's my role as a leader is to hold that high, and try, I try to lead by example in that area, and I hope that 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 has played a part of our role in our success at Lush um, in terms of, you know, really, really being present with people and trying to add value and grow myself in the spirit of adding value to the business and to everybody else that I interact with every day. I think um, I, at the offset, we said that there's somewhere like 
8,000 people that work for the company at any given time. And I know you're a seasonable, seasonal business where, you know, you have to ramp up for the Christmas season and the gift giving season and whatnot. But can you give me a, a like an idea of what the demographics of your employees are and how long they actually stay with you? Because you just said it right in, in that last comment with you're in it for the long game. And you want to grow as a person and you want people to be involved and to grow um, within the company. So, so tell me a little bit about the demographics of the company and, and how, they, how long they stay and how far they can go within Lush. That's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll try to answer that from a bit of a, a department stream perspective. So in retail, retail um, tends to have slightly higher turnover just as a general industry. Uh, I think we are better than industry average as far as retail turnover. The age category, it really is a type of job, especially if you have part-time hours in retail where it's a great um, beginning career for people as they're either completing their schooling or looking for augmenting other things they're doing. So we take a lot of people on, as you say, as a seasonal hire. And then what we do is we try to encourage people as um, core positions open up in retail and other parts of the business for them to stay on. Um, and so we try to expose them to as much of the business as they can when they're when they're in the seasonal um, part of the the hiring and and working curve that that they can see what the opportunities are. And we we always post every job internally and uh, you know on our internal um, we our our we call it the hive where we post all our positions. And so I don't know what the average tenure is in retail off the top of my head. I apologize, but manufacturing started out the same way. So. Um, when we were growing, a lot of our core staff that we have now, and we have people anywhere from, I mean, I was not not to, not like I'm bragging about it, but I am proud. I was employee number one 24 years ago. And so I I have the, the longest tenure, <laughs> but there are lots <laughs> of other folks any, anywhere from, I would say the average tenure in manufacturing um, from a leadership perspective is anywhere from five up to, we have at least four or five people that are 20 years plus. In, in the manufacturing business. Some people have moved on to other areas of the business, but we have lots of tenure. The average is closer to eight years uh, of, of tenure. Um, and that's quite something because we have about a core staff of 1200 people in manufacturing, but we have to, um, in practice, double the amount of bodies we have between July and January to, to make all the seasonal products. We have a huge influx of seasonal uh, workers for the busy season, Santa's elves kind of thing. And, and the great thing about that is it creates a, a pool of people if they're interested, if it, if it resonated with them to monitor what core jobs are, are coming up afterwards. So the age, you know, we've gotten longer in the tooth, but we all started a lot of us that are in that, in, in that, you know, 15, 20 years plus we started in our early twenties. Um, not in all cases. Some of us were younger, some of us were older. Um, so there isn't a particular demographic we go after, but however, with the retail business, it tends to be uh, younger staff, but there are also, um, people that aren't in that part of their life cycle in terms of school and all that. And manufacturing has a wide range of, of people. We have, we have some father son connections in the manufacturing business. Um, I won't mention their names right now, but, uh, we have, a, we have at least two examples of mother, daughter and father, son type type working together in, in the in the business. So that's that's pretty cool. We have the whole gamut of of, of ages. Um, but I would say on average we are we are whatever generation that is, we're we're I would say early twenties to to mid mid thirties uh, um, in manufacturing at this point. 
seasonal seasonal staff is um, an interesting an interesting engine of of getting people. We actually have a we have hiring fairs and we have talent specialists that that do um, that run the hiring fairs and we actually have people try pressing bath bombs as an example to give it a go before they decide whether they're going to work with us. Um, so we have ways for people to try <laughs> try see if it's something they'd li- like to like to do. <laughs> That sounds like kind of fun. That would be a like a yeah. really good job fair to go to and then come and try to make a bath bomb. That's, uh, <laughs> that's cool. So Graham, tell me, what do you think is next for Lush? Like what's what do you see on the horizon for the company? You're coming into your 25th year pretty soon. Yes, we are. Well, the UK group has been out a long time. They They formulated... And manufactured a lot of the best sellers for the body shop in the in the heyday of the body shop in the 80s, and they did a, a business between that called Cosmetics to Go, coming up with all sorts of innovation, um, incredible innovation. And then when that when Lush started, they they carried that forward. What what we're up to next as a business is we're looking at a lot of concepts. So we're taking the idea of product ranges a little bit further, and we're coming up with concept shops. So full-on um, shops dedicated to, to different topics. For example, a lot of our products are unpackaged, have no no packaging, bottle, box, anything of any kind. Either the product is the packaging itself or it's just unwrapped, what we call naked. Mm-hmm. So we're opening up what we call naked shops where none of the products in the shops come in any kind of container. And so that's one idea of a concept shop. We're doing a fresh shop. So that's where all our products are self-preserved self-preserving there's no artificial preservatives and it's all made um, by hand fresh and shipped every week and it's got a shelf life on it so that's a fresh shop we're doing a fragrance or perfume shop and and we're doing flagship stores as well um, at strategic locations we have one in Oxford Street in the UK we have one in Liverpool that's close to 30,000 square feet where where you'll have a whole floor that's a hair lab you know where you can get um, hard or soft water and, and specific treatments for the type of hair that you have. So it's basically almost like a store in store. You have a hair lab section in, in our Lush shop in, in Liverpool. Oh, and then you go to another section and there's a spa there. Um, Harajuku in, in Japan has only bath bombs um, where there's no signage. So we use like a Google lens, we call it Lush lens technology. We take your, your smartphone and you open up the application and you put the the product in the frame of your camera photo of your camera and it will then recognize it and give you all the ingredients and how to use it and you can buy it right then and there in your and put it in your cart if you want as well wow so you know the so we're making some wonderful products but we're also really ramping up the the idea of concept shops so we're specializing in different locations as well so you can buy the whole complement of products online but if you want to get a real immersive experience and, and we're starting to open up these unique concept shops, partly as a test, partly as just to reinforce what we're all about and our values. Um, so that's one thing. We're also creating innovation hubs on a manufacturing perspective. So one of the things you can imagine is with rapid innovation. So we turn over like 25% of our product line every year. Everything's got short shelf life and we're changing the product line all the time. So you have to be nimble with your inventory uh, and your sourcing and your whole supply chain. And so to roll out the concepts to all the manufacturing units across the globe, so where we manufacture is in Japan, 
Australia, Canada, UK, Croatia, Germany, Australia, if I think I already mentioned Australia, then you can't really be um, figuring out how to make it on the fly, which we've sort of done as best we can in the past. What we're doing is we're doing an innovation hub where all the production methodologies and that are being perfected really rapidly. And we're sending people to that innovation hub to learn it early and then bringing it back almost like a container concept. It's like, oh, here's the equipment, the, the methodology, the formulas, and you almost, we don't literally do this yet, but you could get to that stage where you almost ship a container of a department over to the manufacturing units across the globe. And they'll already have a head start um, with getting the manufacturing going versus the other way, which is long drawn out plans of capital expenditures waiting for the annual budget. You know, do we need more physical space? Do we need to build out a new room? So it's always a tough game of, yeah, because you, you can end up end up with a lot of redundancy in equipment or staff or products, not staff, sorry, but product or way you structure yourselves as far as staff in a particular room. If you have to, you have to be fluid and flexible with how you're doing that in order to, to stay innovative. So that's what I think Lush is all about is trying to come up with the best products in every category for every need and then trying to delight everybody with the quantity and the quality of innovation that's coming out and getting to everybody quick. Because what we find is that the engagement with the customers um, is really enhanced when you're coming out with lovely new things all the time. And then the great thing with the internet and with the website part of it is you can discontinue products that were people's favorites uh, in the shop because there's a fixed amount of space in the retail brick and mortar locations, but you can almost have a long tail, infinite number of products to, uh, on your digital channel. So we would love to keep growing our digital channel, not not only to keep up with the quote unquote Amazon and Alibaba type effect, but that's we want to shop however we want our customers to be able to shop however they want to, and so we're trying to just match our digital offering. You know, there's lots of buzz phrases about omni-channel and things like that, but in reality, it's just about being shopping, having people they all shop however they want to shop and be responsive to that. So that's really helped us as far as inventory levels as well. So instead of having everything, even just getting a minimum amount of display of inventory out to every shop is a big undertaking. So sometimes we do select releases online only and then and then later add it to the, the store range. So that whole innovation thing, I think is one of our competitive advantages and I challenge any other any other brands to try to keep up with us. That's fine. You know, there's plenty of room and <laughs> we're a small player in the global cosmetics industry, global health and beauty market. We like being that way. We certainly want to grow our brand, but we don't want to grow it just for the sake of growing as well. You know, the part that we talked about just briefly, we've done a lot of good um, work with our charitable givings and our um, regenerative um, practices as well. So we go beyond sustainability. We want to do regeneration. So we've done a lot of work in that space. We did, we dedicate large percentage of our um, um, sales and profit to these initiatives. And I, I don't know if we'll have time to go into them right now. It's all on our websites, our different programs, but charity pot is one example. It's a really great program where hundred percent of the sales revenue minus the tax sales tax, the government takes their piece of course, but not just profits, but hundred percent of the revenues go into a, it's a, the products called Charity Pot, and then literally the funds go into a pot. And we have literally thousands of grassroots organizations that we donate small amounts of grants to, doing all sorts of wonderful things in the in the space, usually around human rights, animal welfare, and environmental stewardship in those dom domains. So I would encourage anybody to take a look at that. Again, 
as far as just advice for people listening, I, I would encourage people to think of it not as a tactic, like, oh, I'm going to, I should have a charitable givings program in order to show up a certain way. I think it's more about commerce with a conscience and trying to, that's how always we've operated is how can we best make an impact um, by voting with our own dollars and how we purchase things, but also having the customers be able to vote with their, their dollars and go to all sorts of great causes that they believe in as well. And I think that's helped with staff staff engagement as well as customer engagement. So we're just going to keep on doing that. That's what's next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds busy. <laughs> we're, we're almost out of time, Graham. And I just wondered if you had any final key takeaways that you would like to share, perhaps as your experience as a business leader or just being in business. Um, any final key takeaways? Wow. How would I wrap that up? Um, well, let's see. For the for the listeners, I don't know, and I don't want to sound like we've got everything all figured out. And so, listen to my parting words of wisdom, and everything will be okay. What I would say though is, you have to keep going. You know, like there's sometimes where you feel like, wow, this is just hard, and 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 it's almost like when you can afford to quit is exactly when you can't afford to quit. <laughs> you know, it's got to be bigger than yourself, and it's got to be bigger than than the company itself as well. It's like what is being really connected to the purpose of what you're doing and sticking with it and trying to do your best. Like we've had all sorts of challenges in supply chain, whether it's um, currency fluctuations and we've had some some scary stories of getting it wrong as far as trying to hedge currencies, things like that. But what we've done is we've developed policies over the over the course of learning from those mistakes. And mistakes are are gonna happen. And I think the key there is to is just to learn from it as rapidly as possible and incorporate that into your business. I actually think some of the best things have come from difficult times, both in how we've organized ourselves and and uh, and really, I think all the growth as a company, but also as an individual, comes right on the back of the darkest days. So maybe maybe that's what I'll leave everybody with is, you know, thank you for your service to your families, your communities, what you're up to matters, and just stick with it. Um, that doesn't mean never, never changing course, but it just means run, you know, you'll know if you trust your instincts, um, run, you know, run, run as best you can with it and really stick with it. And uh, it's amazing things like that's basically what I want to say is I'll leave everybody with is it's all fine in, in hindsight. But as I said, we started with three shops and there was no guarantee of success. It sounds, sounds like, sounds like, well, we're so successful globally now, but but I tell you that um, it's hard to describe to people, but there's lots of times. And I remember specifically saying this in year 19 of Lush. Like I remember announcing it on my social media platforms at that time. Today, I just feel like a 19-year overnight success because every little cliche that like that has some real truth behind it. It's like often what I find is there is there is really no such thing as that overnight success. There's many many years of hard work and stick to itness behind it, and and uh, yeah just be connected with it and go for it. And uh, I wish everybody the best of luck. And if there's anything that I can ever do to, to answer questions or um, provide any perspective on what I have gone through, that's, that's why I was so honored to be asked to talk today. Like I'm, I'm so committed to being a contribution of service to anybody that, that, that I can potentially help um, with any perspective. So I, I will, I'll leave it to, to Jana and Kevin to, to, um, 
to decide how to do that, but I'm I'm totally open to answering any questions anytime that anybody may have. Uh, it doesn't mean I'll get back to you straight away, but I'll get back to you as soon as I as soon as I can. <laughs> that's that's really generous of you, Graham, because you know what, there are a lot of people out there, you know, we run into problems all the time trying to figure it out. And it's always nice to have somebody's ear to bounce it off of and get some feedback. So I really appreciate your time. And I know that um, I have to let you go. But thank you so much for your insights and being part of Make It Right. Really valuable. Thank you so much, Janet. Thank you, Kevin. Graham Brown is the Director of Product at Lush Cosmetics in North America. He is based in Vancouver, and that's our show this week. Please check out our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds that are on our podcast page. Subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And the Make It Right podcast is brought to you by Kevin Snook, leadership advisor and author of the best-selling book, Make It Right, Five Steps to Align Your Manufacturing Business from the Front Line to the Bottom Line. Until next time, I'm Janet Eastman. Thanks for listening to the Make It Right podcast.